Hello and welcome back once again to Viper Bites and we are doing a little bit of a Monday night football preview. We've got the New Orleans Saints and we've got the Seattle Seahawks on prime time this week, week number seven. But before we get into this contest, make sure you take a second, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button. If you're listening to Apple or Spotify right now, make sure that you take an opportunity to rate and review the show. Appreciate each and every one of those comments. You got questions, head over to uh, Matt Donnelly FF on Twitter. Send me those questions. I'll get you those answers the best I can. Now, before we get into the game itself, let's talk about the injury report. Right now, on Thursday, Taysom Hill, DNP, he's likely going to play a non-factor, maybe gets a little bit of a run this game. Uh, Deontay Harris also has a bit of a hamstring issue, a little soft tissue there. He was a DNP for Thursday as well. And we got Marshawn Lattimore. He's back to full practice here on Thursday, so keep an eye on that. When we're talking about the passing game, especially that DK Metcalf versus uh, Marshawn Lattimore matchup there, but we talk about head-to-head. Now for the Seahawks, a big one to keep an eye on is Alex Collins. He's got that uh, that groin injury. He was a DNP on Thursday. We're hoping that he can play, but make sure we're keeping an eye on that injury report heading up to this game. Obviously, uh, DK Metcalf, he was a full practice. You can't consider Geno Smith as part of the injury report for DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett, even though clearly uh, Geno Smith is hampering both of their performances. That doesn't actually get onto the show sheet here. So uh, with that being said, we're going to talk about what the New Orleans Saints looks like, what the Seattle Seahawks looks like. And we're going to head to the New Orleans Saints first to talk about their players, and what we're looking for in this matchup. Now, Jameis Winston, he has been boom or bust all season, and I'm not talking about his passing yards because that has been bust. Now, Winston has two games in which he has tossed four or more touchdowns. He's got a four-touchdown performance and a five-touchdown performance on his resume this season. But he has not thrown for more than 280 yards in any contest. And only two games so far this season has he thrown for more than 200 yards. And he's played in five games. Now, Winston is averaging about 195.6 yards per game and 7.7 yards per attempt. If there's a week for him to hit that 300-yard plateau, it's probably this week against the Seahawks. Seattle is 28th against the pass, allowing 292.3 yards per game. So Winston will be looking to hit them bombs, those YOLO balls, to Marquise Calloway, Kenny Stills. And if Deontay Harris is healthy, Deontay Harris is going to get himself subbed. If those aren't there, look for Kamara to play a decent role in the passing game. Now, speaking of Kamara, he is... Fifth in the league in touches. He's got 109 so far in those five games. That is, he is one of, I believe, 10 or 11 running backs that has reached that 100 touch plateau. And he's done it in one fewer game than most of those guys. Now, a little bit of a deeper look. He's got 94 carries for 368 yards, 15 receptions for 113 yards. He's got 481 all purpose yards, all from yards from scrimmage, however you want to look at that. Currently, Kamara is 14th in the league regardless of the position as far as scrimmage yards goes, where he's averaging 96.2 yards per game. He is also 14th in PPR scoring amongst running backs this season with 87.1 fantasy points while averaging 17.4 fantasy points per game. Now, prior to the Saints' bye, Kamara had put together three straight games of more than 100 yards from scrimmage, including 129 yards against the Giants a few weeks back. Last week, we saw Kamara back in action or last time we saw Kamara back in action, he scored one touchdown by land, one by air. It wasn't raining, so there's was nothing by sea, but 
That was against the Washington football team. While he also rushed for a 71 yards, he added 51 yards in the air in the passing game, however you want to look at that. Now, for Marquez Callaway, we talked about the Seahawks' struggles in the, against the pass so far this season. Callaway is second on the team in receiving yards of 222 yards, second in targets behind Camara with 21, and one of three players on the Saints team to have three touchdown receptions through five games. Callaway had back-to-back games of 70 or more receiving yards heading into last week's bye, including a breakout game of sorts against Washington where he recorded two touchdowns, 85 yards on four receptions. Kenny Stills is one of the newest members of the Saints receiving core. While they hope to get piece things together until Michael Thomas returns the action, full disclosure, I'm a bit of a skeptic when it comes to that. In three games, Stills has nine targets, with five of those coming in week five against Washington. So he has been getting himself a little bit more involved in the offense. You're not starting him, but just something to kind of keep an eye and see what kind of usage he has in this game, especially if Harris is limited with that hamstring. Now, Harris is the clubhouse leader in yards with 236 yards amongst receivers. He had 72 yards and a touchdown against Washington last week. That was his only catch of the afternoon. Harris has 50 yards of receiving or more in three or five games this year. And he's been probably one of the more consistent receivers that the Saints have. You know what? He's even one of the most consistent receivers in this game. I'm looking at the Seahawks sideline here. More on that in a minute. Now, where they have a top receiver that has 50 yards in three of six games, talking about Seattle there, it hasn't been cutting the deal. Your base, well, you know what? Forget what I just said. We'll get back into that here a little bit later when I talk about the Seahawks. But to steal a nugget from a good friend of mine there, Wes Huber, there when he was taking a look at these matchups, we know the Seahawks play a lot of cover three. Um, and in his limited opportunities, Harris, so far, he is getting about 0.65 fantasy points per route run against cover three this season. So that's something to kind of keep an eye on. If Harris's hamstring is ready to go, he could be a very sneaky play in this matchup. Now, Adam Trubb and Jawan Johnson at the tight end position, you know, neither has done a whole heck of a lot. Um, Trubman has six catches on 10 targets. He hasn't found the end zone. Week five was his best week, statistically speaking. He had 43 yards, a nice 32-yard catch thrown in there. Jawan Johnson has been that red zone target. He has a team high tied with three touchdown grabs, including a pair in a season debut against the Packers that had everyone running to the waiver wire for him. Since then, he's got one touchdown, 43 yards receiving on eight targets. Now, speaking of those uh, Seattle Seahawks here, Geno Smith, good news. The Saints ranked 23rd against the pass this year, allowing 275 per contest. The bad news, you're still Geno Smith. In a, in a game, and let's call it a game and a half, he has a 67.7 completion percentage, completing 33 of 49 attempts for 340 yards. Last week against the Steelers, he was sacked five times. And you know what? When we look at the yards per attempt, it was down at 6.5, which just isn't going to get it, isn't going to cut it. Now, luckily for Smith, the Saints are near the bottom in the league when it comes to sacks per game, and they're only getting about 1.6 sack per game here. So he might have a little bit more time than what he had against the Steelers. Now, Alex Collins, Rashad Penny, Travis Homer, DJ Dallas, whoever's healthy is going to have some tough sledding ahead of them, facing the number two run defense in the league. The Saints are allowing 79 yards per game on the ground. We know Collins is dealing with a bit of a hip groin injury, so we need to keep on the, an eye on that right up into kickoff. Alex Collins so far has handled 65% of the snaps and 77% of the running back carries. That's pretty impressive. Now, since, since receiving an uptick in touches, Collins has averaged 4.4 yards per carry or more, 75 yards or more from scrimmage, and 13 
plus points per game in two of the last three games, including 101 yards rushing against the Steelers last week. D. Gabe Metcalf is still the wide receiver 12 in PPR scoring. He has 105.1 fantasy points. And despite playing with Geno Smith for a game and a half, Metcalf did manage to catch six or seven targets against the Steelers for 58 yards in Smith's first full game of action. Now, Metcalf has been consistent with 50 or more receiving yards in every game this season while recording a pair of 95 yards or uh, multiple two games of 95-plus receiving yards along with five touchdowns. His 441 yards receiving ranks 15th amongst wideouts. Tyler Lockett, on the other hand, is that receiver that I was alluding to a little bit earlier with three of his six games with 50 receiving yards or more thanks to two huge weeks to start the season. Lockett sits at wide receiver 24 with 87 0.5 fantasy points despite not having a touchdown or 60 receiving yards or more in any of the last four contests. It's unlikely to improve with Smith under center. And sadly, with Geno Smith under center, I don't see a, a path for Lockett to become fantasy relevant anytime soon, at least not until Russell Wilson comes back in the lineup. And by then, it may be a little too late. Now, talk about these other running backs, Travis Homer, DJ Dallas. They may take a backseat to Rashad Penny as he returns from the IR. But both backs, in my opinion, have earned themselves an opportunity for more touches. Uh, with three touches last week against the Steelers, Homer put up 54 yards from scrimmage. You have to go back to week two against the Vikings to find Homer where he played any kind of a role similar to that where he had three receptions for 48 yards. As for DJ Dallas, he had 50 yards on four carries, five receptions in that game combined. So combine that total, not too bad. At the end of the day, I believe it's going to be DJ Dallas who will be given that first opportunity to replace Alex Collins if he were to miss any time and get that Alex Collins type production out of that backfield. Now, talking about the tight end position real quick, Gerald Everett, four games. He has accounted for 117 yards and one touchdown, converting 12 targets into 10 receptions. Will Disley, the Seahawks' other wide uh, tight end, has one more yard with an identical target share to date. Everett's last two games in which he's addressed – he has had at least three targets and 40 yards. So in the wasteland that is the tight end position in by Mageddon or whatever you want to call it this week, Everett is an okay option. Definitely better than some of the options that we've seen out there. How this game is going to play out is anyone's guess here right now. Uh, one week the Saints look fantastic. The next week they don't. One week Seattle looks good and the next week they don't. For me, I'm going to take the, you know what? I'm going to take the Saints in this one. They're going to win this game. Let's call it. 24-21, look for some, we're hoping that Geno Smith can get right. We're hoping he can get on the same page with Lockett and Metcalf. I don't see that happening. I think the, C, the Saints defense steps up in a big way in this game. And you know what? I think this is going to be that game that Jameis Winston is going to ball out for the first time in the season. So, you know what? Thanks again for joining Monday Night Football. We have a little our preview show here for Viper Bites. Make sure to hit that like button. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. And until next time, to steal a quote from uh, my good friend there, Red Green, if the women don't find you handsome, at least let them find you handy. Catch you next time.